Rise and shine, fragile Americans. There's a victimhood to be claimed and microscopic germs to fear. The Kate Daly Show starts now. Rulers of the, of the world, authority and power will shift away from humans to computers. And most humans will become economically useless and politically powerless. Already today, we are beginning to see the creation of a new class of humans, the useless class. Just as the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century created the new working class, the proletariat, so now the artificial intelligence revolution is beginning to create the useless class. I can't tell if he's for or against the useless class. So he's saying authority and power will shift away from humans to computers, and that's crazy. Alexa, turn this off. (laughs) (laughs) That was Jerry Dore. Oh, good old Yuval, Yuval Haran. So I am the very useless Kate Daly and my useless co-star, useless eater, Uncle Milty. How are you, useless eater? I'm useless. (laughs) Isn't it amazing, some people's views on humanity? I find it interesting. Anyway, you know what? He can say that all he wants. It doesn't mean anything unless we give that power so to him, right? Yeah. Well, I guess he's Klaus, Klaus Schwab's right hand. But anyway, all I'm saying is, is they only win if we let them. We have more power as the people. Do you, I learned something today. Okay. Very interesting. Right. People do not know what lie means yeah they don't know right i've had several people call Mm -hmm. me a liar for having an opinion for having an opinion they don't agree with right that's amazing yeah they don't people don't know what lie actually Mm -hmm. means i know it's amazing there's all kinds of things we could talk about right now we need computers Um, (laughs) so I had um i had the chance to uh interview dr peter mccullough again and Um, it was an interesting interview. It was a good interview. And he answered your questions. I had you guys write in. I had you guys on Facebook telling me what you want me to ask him. We might have asked your questions. So listen up. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. He was the first one really, um, besides some of the frontline doctors, he was the first one to be at where he was in the medical field as a very, very well-known cardiologist to come out and speak to the Senate and speak to Congress and, and, and say, well, I'm sorry, why isn't anyone worried about health? So here's Dr. Peter McCullough, and we'll stop it and talk about the things that are being said too. Here we go. Dr. McCullough is an internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, holding degrees from Baylor University, University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, University of Michigan, and Southern Methodist University. He published his first detoxification approach entitled Clinical Rationale for SARS-CoV-2 Base Spike Protein Detoxification in Post-COVID-19 and Vaccine Injury Syndromes in the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. He has dozens of peer-reviewed publications on the infection and has commented extensively on the medical response to the COVID-19 crisis on The Hill, American Out Loud, Fox News Channel, you name it, he's been everywhere. And he was one of the first to speak out, and I really appreciated that. Uh, Dr. McCullough testified several times in U.S. Senate, European Parliament, Texas Senate Committee on Health and Human Services, Arizona Senate, House House of Representatives, 
and many others. We don't even have time to mention his resume. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, so glad to have you on. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm, glad, I'm really glad to have you. We have a lot of questions from our audience for you, too, and I can't wait to hear your responses to some of these things. One woman wrote in to me. She said, uh, my husband was diagnosed recently with amyloid disease, which has caused his art walls to thicken, and it inhibits its ability to pump. He started having heart issues about five months after he had the shot, starting with arrhythmia and blood clots, and the cardiologist was unable to determine a cause um, until he finally landed up north in a different hospital. He was finally diagnosed with amyloid disease with no prior heart disease, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no blockages, zero. Clean bill of health. Until he got that shot five months later, he has this. Are you seeing a lot of amyloid disease? Amyloid is a, a abnormal folding of a protein. The SARS-CoV-2 spike protein produced by the vaccines clearly folds and forms amyloid-like protein structures in some people. And it is responsible for the rubbery amyloid blood clots that we see, the very large ones removed mm-hmm. at the time of uh, autopsy or postmortem examination. There's one paper by the FDA, uh, Wu is uh, first author, W-O-O, with, with the Janssen vaccine, describing these blood clots in people reported to them, uh, thousands of blood clots with J&J, and they're reporting blood clots extending from the ankle to the hip, huge ones. We, normally, a blood clot we see in medicine is only about a centimeter, no more than an inch size. We've never seen blood clots this, and this is the FDA reporting this to us, uh, 11% were fatal. Now, cardiac amyloidosis is when the protein actually sufficiently deposits in the heart. The heart becomes hard, rubbery. It doesn't fill normally, and patients develop heart failure. So this constellation of blood clots, arrhythmias, and in cardiac amyloidosis, yes, it sounds like the vaccines in aggregate. But let me tell you this. Before COVID, okay, Mm -hmm. there's always been cardiac amyloidosis. So I want people to, to learn about this. There is an early form of it that's hereditary. It always starts with a neuropathy, so numbness and tingling in the hands and feet first, and then the cardiac amyloid sets in. It affects other organs in the body, mm-hmm. like the liver, the tongue, um, the other, uh, the intestinal organs, uh, and that is a, a familial type of amyloidosis. It can be detected by um, genetic testing. Mm-hmm. Genetic testing. Okay. Uh, there is a senile form of cardiac amyloidosis that forms in very old people, and that tends to primarily involve the heart first, as opposed to the nerves. Uh, uh, and we can also test that by biopsy. Hmm. The most common. There's about 32 proteins in the body that fold and make amyloid proteins. The most common one is called transthyretin also known as prealbumin. So when people get uh, a diagnosis of amyloid, always ask for a biopsy and have them, and find out what protein is it. In the case of SARS-CoV-2, you actually want to stain for the spike protein, but in this case, I'd get a biopsy. They can biopsy the heart. Many times just biopsy the tongue, believe mm, it or not. Interesting. It's very uh, you know in- innocuous biopsy. Stain for the spike protein, stain for uh, you know all the other proteins. There's typically an amyloid stain that's done, and, it, and you can basically make a diagnosis. Uh, we now do simple genetic testing for the, um, the mutations that, uh, that are associated with the familial amyloid. It's important because if this is related to the vaccine, it's really water under the bridge, we'll treat it. If it's related to a familial 
cause than other family members would want to know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there needs to be more diagnostic work. Have you seen an increase since the shots were um, doled out? We certainly have. Certainly the amyloidogenic uh, blood clots. Um, and uh, there is some hope, by the way. People always ask about therapy, and you mentioned detoxification. We're currently using natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin in combination as a base, and mm-hmm. we start at low doses, and we can accelerate. Uh, you can find this on my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com, two peer-reviewed papers. But there's a, a third paper that I published with Stephanie Senoff as first author, mm-hmm. and we bring in another product that probably works, but we don't have the clinical data for it yet. It's called Sereptase or Serapeptase. It's another form of an oral enzyme. The unique thing is that actually may uh, penetrate into the brain where natokinase doesn't. And we're worried about amyloid plaques in the brain in mm. progression of neurodegenerative diseases like uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Wow. You were very interesting about that, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And I will put up a clip just with the three things he mentioned and then the fourth one that doesn't have the evidence yet, but he thinks it's going to help. And that's for people who have loved ones. If you didn't take the shots, I'm so glad. But that, that goes for the people that um, I know everyone has a loved one that, that took it and they're worried about them. Here we go. Fierce blowback in the very beginning. Um, how has it changed for you over the course of this last two years? I have. I've actually had a colleague today, you, really? you know, after like four years, didn't hear anything. And it was a congratulations on a recent paper published. First author is Mead. I'm the senior author. But it is a fully peer-reviewed, very extensive paper that concludes the vaccine should be pulled off the market. And he was just texting me before I came <laughs> on. How are you? Like, well. you know, hasn't heard from me in four years. Well, mm. you know, I, I think people will come along. But the example I'm using, I have a substack out on this. People say, well, how can doctors be so wrong in these vaccines for so long? Because it's been mm-hmm. three years. I said, wait a minute. Let's pick some other examples. Smoking. From the, the first note of any doctor, a solid doctor noting smoking causing problems, like an obvious problem like lung cancer was in 1912, European physician, Sir Austin Bradford Hill in 1950, you know, published an entire treatise on this, you know, conclusively concluding that smoking caused lung cancer. Now, let me tell you, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, doctors, nurses were not only smoking, they were advertising smoking. They Mm. were promoting smoking. Doctors and nurses, not just the doctors, doctors and nurses. This went all the way up until the tobacco settlement in 1999. And over time, finally, the messaging came through. But it was commonplace to smoke in the hospital, smoke in the operating room. Mm-hmm. And the Emperor of All Maladies, which is written by Mukherjee, who's a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute fellow, you know, won a Pulitzer Prize, great book. He describes the lead cancer, lung cancer surgeon for, for Harvard removing lung cancers and smoking at the same time, telling the students and the residents that no, smoking was not the cause of lung cancer. He himself died of lung cancer because he smoked. Uh, Unbelievable. So listen, doctors are taking the vaccine. They are getting blood clots. They are getting myocarditis. I know because I'm seeing them in my office, but they are still in this phase, just like with smoking. Let's hope it doesn't take 40 (laughs) years. It's been three years of a disaster. Oh, I so agree with that. Um, but at the same time, you see an experimental vaccine come out and you're telling people to get it. That's a problem when, I mean, it wasn't even a vaccine. It was a shot. Yeah. What, the, what were your thoughts? What he just said. I liked what he said. Mm-hmm. Is, is really quite amazing because mm-hmm. 
The reality is that we live in an infinite universe, mm-hmm. and people ask, why can't we solve all our problems in 80 years? <laughs> right. It's right. such no, a tiny speck of time in, right. in the big picture right. that we may never learn to, mm-hmm. to get past these types of issues. I think the one thing now, and we'll go to a break, I'll play, I'll keep playing more, but the, 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 and he talks about so many topics. I'll end up putting the whole interview on um, sound because we won't have time for it at the Kate Daly show. So katedalyradio.com. And I had to pre-record it because of time trying to get together with him. He's, he's got a, such a busy schedule and he's speaking a lot right now. Um, that's why it's pre-recorded. But, but, uh, but I think the doctors, the doctors oblivion to the one thing that changed and now they have blood clots, but they can't figure out why. I mean, like he said, they're kind of in this weird, <laughs> non-acknowledging, can't acknowledge that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I agree with him. Be right back more about with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. Um, please text Birch Gold. Text the number 989898. Would you do that for me right now on your phone? That way I at least know you've you've got the information. You just text my name. That's the only message you send is K-A-T-E, Kate, okay? Text 989898, and they're going to just give you some free info. There's no obligation or anything. You just get to look at that information, and things are constantly changing, and it's really important this year. I think this year is... I'm not going to be one of those hosts that says this year, the election will determine the future of the country because that's the big lie. Actually, I think the elections were taken over a long time ago, to be honest with you. Um, but what is really going on right now is the monetary system is going to be completely changed. And I just want to make sure you're okay. And everything that you've worked hard for is okay. So text Birch Gold, please. Um, 98, 98, 98. Just give it a look. See, okay. No obligation. And um, they're terrific to work with if you have, if you have questions. They're really great because everyone's situation is different, you know. People are wondering what to do with their money right now. Do you, do you hide it under the mattress? Do you keep it somewhere? What do you do with it? And um, there are answers depending on your situation. Text 989898. Text my name, Kate, okay? This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. Interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. And boy, did he answer. I had a lot of questions for him and uh, everything from what's coming to you name it. I mean, everything about the shots, the different batches. I mean, if this is this is a great time to finally get some answers after three years of what he thinks is going on. And, you know, everybody has differing views. I might have differing views, but let me tell you, um, he was great. He was great. And also, Go to um, Birch Gold, 989898, and text my name, Kate, and get some help financially. They'll just give you some free information. And if you end up working with them, it's free to do what they're telling you to do, and that is get, get your IRA and your retirement backed with gold. It's free for you to do that. And I don't know if people realize that. And then also, I just wanted to mention, that's who I trust for gold and silver. Okay? That's who I would buy from. Um, they also support the Gary Sinise Foundation for Veterans. They do, they do a lot of good work. Uh, they're, they're great. So here is um, more from my interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. And I might play some of this tomorrow in the last hour as well. Uh, so here we go. Here is uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. 25% of Americans refused the COVID jab. Is that now kind of an official number, about 25% then refused? 
Yeah, that was the COVID Community States program, which was a survey uh, where, where you know, it had the features. Like it was anonymous. Mm-hmm. People weren't going to be harmed if they said yes or no. It was done by Harvard and Northeastern University. We think it's pretty solid. But I checked the CDC website the other day. You know what they're saying? They're saying 95% of people took a vaccine. 95. And, no and the COVID states program criticizes the CDC and says, you know what? The CDC was double counting. If people lost their vaccine card, they just started them as a new patient. They double counted them. So the CDC has a lot of sloppy statistics. Mm. And, um, you know, when I, when I talk to people and I've, I've given over 200 public programs to people in the office, to me, it resonates that about about 25% didn't take it and 75% did. I'd be curious to see what your listeners yeah, yeah, think. For sure. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> the 25% who didn't take the vaccine, they seem far more concerned about vaccine side effects than the 75% who did take the vaccine. Isn't it interesting? That is. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, mm. it just shows that we are... Uh, sheep. I, I don't know what else to say. We just kind of, yeah, you're I right mean, though. I, I talk about vaccine side effects all the time. Of course, I'm a doctor and mm-hmm. I'm seeing these patients in the office, but I don't have any worries about having <laughs> vaccine side effects because I didn't take it. Right. I mean, I sleep right. okay at night. You, you'd think the vaccinated would be the ones up at night saying, listen, what did I do? Is this a problem? Mm-hmm. A- and uh, you hear a lot more concern about vaccine safety from the unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated. That's amazing. I didn't even think about it that way. You're right. Uh, as far as the shots go, a lot of people have a question about this particular thing. They got the first shot. They maybe got the Johnson and Johnson or they got one shot, but they didn't do the boosters. Is there any evidence so far that doing the one shot was not as bad as doing all the boosters? Was the danger in the booster shots? What, what's your take on this? There are no cumulative toxicity studies, meaning, you know, once the first, it was called primary series, shot one and shot two were studied. There never were any studies to say, well, is shot three and four and five, do they add up? Do they create more toxicity? For most drugs, and most shots, the more you take, if there's a safety problem, the greater the harm. It's never been done. Um, my suspicion is there is a cumulative toxicity. In the published literature, the the general vein of what we're seeing is what's called the Russian roulette theory, that you do one, you do fine with shot one, shot two, shot three, and all of a sudden shot four, boom, get myopericarditis or mm. have a fatal event at shot three or four. Um, and that may have to do with the fact that it doesn't look like all the shots are the same. The vials differ, the safety of each vial differ depending on the lot. So if one got you know, an easy lot, an easy lot, nothing, nothing, also got a dangerous lot, that's how this Russian roulette theory plays out. But there's enough cases where the fatal event occurs on shot five or six to make us conclude that there is no safe patient profile. I mean, one of my patients told me, Dr. McCullough, uh, you know, if they come out with another booster, I'm going to take it. And I said, gosh, you know, are you sure that's, you know, I was kind of worried about mm-hmm. it. She goes, well, no, he goes, she goes, I know other people have side effects, but no, they don't bother me. Wow. Uh, be careful <laughs> on that one, because it may be that she got, you know, relatively safe vials on the first mm-hmm. four and all of a sudden, you know, we'll get right. a lethal one. And w- when you're getting the shot, you never know if, you, if you're getting a dangerous batch or not. Mm-hmm. That's the... Right. That's a concern over it. Um, but right now, if someone was following, uh, let's say a doctor or nurse, was following the government um, uh, protocol, we're coming up on shot number eight 
for that eight? person. I didn't Shot even realize eight, that. Okay, in the United States. And wow, we'll come right back on that. But sh eight shots. Did you realize that? No. I didn't either. I had no idea. I thought maybe three or four. I didn't realize it was eight. Wow. Okay, we'll be right back. More with Dr. Peter McCullough when we come back. The famous uh, cardiologist, heart surgeon. Be right back. Then I Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and my employees and I want to thank each and every one of you for your support by bringing you the MyPillow that started it all. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs regardless of your sleep position. Because it works, we've sold over 70 million MyPillows, and now I'm bringing it to you for the lowest price ever. For example, you get my standard MyPillow, now only $19.88 with your promo code. Now's the time to get them for your friends your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. My pillows make the best gifts ever. In the times we're in, one thing we all need is getting a great night's sleep. So go to mypillow.com or call that number on your screen now. Use your promo code and you'll get my standard my pillow for only $19.88. For a more custom fit, my premium queen, only $24.98. Or my premium king, only $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so order now. What a fantastic sale. Use the code word Kate. It helps the show. You can get up to 90% off right now. Take advantage of it. Stock up for Christmas. So many deals that Mike is doing, and it also helps expose election fraud. Thanks, you guys. Use this is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. I got Uncle Milty here. We're... we're um, Playing the interview, we had to pre-record interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, um, the uh, well-renowned heart uh, heart surgeon cardiologist, and uh, his take on the events that have happened over the last three years. We kind of interviewed him. We interviewed him in 2021 and then 2022, or 23, 2023, 2022, 2023. So this is our third interview, I think, with him, right? Um, and make sure that you get over to MyPillow.com. I love MyPillow, and uh, they do a fantastic job in products. So add my name, Kate, in the, in the code, and it helps us stay on the air. I love that. All right, let me play more with Peter McCullough, and also I'll probably play more tomorrow cool. on tomorrow on the Friday show after Brandon Smith, our guest Brandon Smith, is coming on. We're talking a little bit more about prepping. Um, all right, so here is uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, if one is immunocompromised, let's say they're on, um, let's say they've had a transplant, they could be coming up on shot 12. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize there was never, that many. We, you know, we've never given any vaccine for 12 shots. Uh, we've never given a genetic injection, a genetic therapy injection for anything. How would we possibly know? The concern is accumulation of genetic material that the body doesn't clear out and then continued production of the spike protein, this toxic lethal portion of the spike protein that looks like it accumulates in the body. And a paper by Brogna and colleagues shows that about half of people who took a Pfizer or Moderna have circulating spike protein in their bloodstream for six months. Jeez. And then you take another shot, there's mm -hmm. gonna be more circulating spike protein. And the spike protein circulating in human blood cannot be healthy. Are the same ingredients in each shot, are they getting the same shot over and over again in the boosters? We don't think so. The shots have never been expected for the quantity of messenger RNA. 
Now, I saw inspections of the messenger RNA vaccines by the FDA in 2022. And you know what they inspected them for in the report, in the official kind of FOIA release documents? They inspected them for visible impurities. Basically, crud in the vials. That's what they were inspected for. They didn't open the vials and test how much messenger RNA is in there. They didn't open the vials to see if uh, the lipid nanoparticles were aggregating or not. And they certainly didn't test for process-related DNA impurities. And this has been the big news. Four labs have found that there are small DNA fragments contaminating the vials. And some of these DNA fragments are known cancer promoters called SV40. So this is such a big deal. There are two peer-reviewed preprint manuscripts uh, there that are awaiting peer review, one by Spiegler, the other one by McKernan, so you can review the data yourself. Uh, Dr. Joe Ladapo synthesized all the information. He wrote the CDC and FDA and said, looks like there are impurities in Pfizer and Moderna. And the FDA and CDC wrote him back and said, nope, we're not worried about this. And that's when Surgeon General Joe Ladapo said, enough's enough. I'm calling for these to be pulled off the market. And here you have a cancer-causing agent. Wow. So we're going to come right back there. But so two things. Not only are they not screening for that, and they're just looking for particles. In the last clip that we heard, they weren't doing any research, right, as far as that goes on um, on the uh, on the accumulation of the shots. Not one, n- not one entity wanted to know if, hey, this might be too many. It's so amazing how selective they are on what they want to show the people. And people still trust the CDC and the FDA. Well, you you have to start with the purpose. Yeah. The purpose was not to save you from mm-hmm. a disease. Right. The purpose was not to mm-hmm. find out what would happen mm-hmm. if you took it. The purpose was simply to see if they could make you take it. There was no yeah. other purpose. I think the per- no, I do. I think there was a second purpose, and the purpose was to make you very ill because he's about to answer that cancer question. So ill plus obedience yes. to the government, right? Okay, here's Dr. Peter McCullough. We pulled off the market, and here you have a cancer-causing agent. Yes, potentially, potentially. Now it's simian virus forty. The simian virus forty, so people know, is used uh, to ramp up the duplication of the plasmid, the DNA, little circles of DNA that are inserted within E. coli. And as E. coli divide, the SV40 keeps ramping up production. The the, the little circle of DNA produces the Pfizer-Moderna messenger RNA. This is called process two. Before they were making naked RNA, which is very expensive and slow, this ramping up and having E. coli crank it out is very efficient. Now, with SV40, simian virus 40, there's a promoter, an enhancer, and what's called an origin of insertion. If there are known cancer genes in someone... I was just going to ask you this, yes? Right, so someone's Mm -hmm. carrying a cancer gene, and then they get a sufficient load of SV40, promoter, enhancer, and then the insertion part, theoretically, it's possible for these to directly cause cancer. Wow. Now, if there is cancerous cells in the body, let's say somebody's in remission, Mm -hmm. but there's a few uh, cancer cells in the body, it's theoretical that these could take up these DNA fragments and then reactivate the cancer or really make it recur. And that's the reason why the term turbo cancer has come up. Yes, a lot of even younger. 
right? Yeah, the very first case of a turbo cancer was published. The first uh, author is Karagoklis. I'm the senior author in the peer-reviewed literature, and it's a man from Greece who probably had a parotid basaloid cell cancer that was lurking. And uh, sure enough, he takes a messenger RNA vaccine. Within four days, he starts to get pain. And then this cancer starts to take off. It invades his facial nerve and his trigeminal nerves, causes a Bell's palsy, rapidly invades his brain and kills him. And this is well chronicled that it may be the very first case of turbo cancer. Now, did it cause the very first cancer cell? No, that's too fast. To Five days. Cell. It was probably there. Mm-hmm. And then it took off. Uh, but, right. but this, you know, do you know cancer programs, let's say big centers like MD Anderson Cancer Research Center, encourage cancer patients to take these shots with no information on what genetic vaccines would do to underlying cancer. I mean, it was completely irresponsible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they do the same thing with uh, heart patients that have problems and stints and everything else and tell them to go and get these shots. Uh, We had a scientist on, and I can't remember who it was now that said this, but there were about 35 different recipes to the shots. Do you concur with that? You know, I'm not familiar with, quote, recipes, Mm -hmm. um, but there may be, uh, you know, more variations, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of safety risk. Now, I saw one schema where the lots were ordered from one, 1 to 168. So number one being the most lethal ones they found to 168 being the most benign. There's one publication by um, Schmeling and colleagues found 30% were completely benign. There's just nothing happens to them, not even a sore arm, nothing does happen. Uh, about another um, two-thirds, uh, it's uh, some mild symptoms. And then the Schmeling data is 4.1% of all the doses or certain vials. And they actually listed the lot numbers in the paper mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that's where all the serious adverse events were and, and probably including the risk of death. And in the CDC vSafe data, it's interesting, it was 7.7% of people who took a shot, got so sick, they had to go to the ER, hospital, or urgent care. So it's under 10% that we're really worried about. The problem is two-thirds of the world took these. Right. And even if it's 4% or 10%, that's a large number of people. That's a huge number of people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like they did enough research to mm-hmm. know which of these versions mm-hmm. would be the most deadly. Yeah. Maybe the next time we're forced to take a vaccine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it'll be a 80% killer. Gosh. And what's fascinating is you have all these reports of these different recipes of these different things going on, and yet they're going to check the vials for yeah. contamination of particles, but not DNA and not um, all of the things that are obviously helping with turbo cancer. Uh, you've see, probably seen some people I have in my own life all of a sudden get cancer right after the shots. I, I, they were perfectly fine. I've had this happen. I've had this happen. And um, I've seen it. And it is so sad. And they didn't see it coming. Or they, ha- they, got, they came out of remission and back into cancer. And mm. it was a turbo. It was on steroids. Be right back. More with Dr. Peter McCulley interview. Be right back. the code word Kate. No, you're okay. Um. This is the Kate Daly Show. 
Daly Show. Interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. Looks like I'll do part two tomorrow. Um, it was a uh, long interview because I had so many questions from all of you for him, and I tried to get through a lot of them. So a lot of you had duplicates, too. Debbie Burks was also on TV lately um, saying that, gee, we just don't know the fallout, kind of like AIDS. We don't know the fallout for the next 10 years of what those mm-hmm. what, what the vaccines will do. Sorry, Debbie, Debbie Burks with the scarves. Yeah, Fauci's little right hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't know what it'll do to you for ten long years. So, for the next ten years, you'll be finding out. Isn't doesn't that doesn't that just give you a lot of comfort? Here's Doctor Peter McCullough, uh, Doctor Peter McCullough, the the heart doctor. Here we go. It's a huge number of people. Hundred percent. Yes. Um, what's the most damning piece of evidence? Is there one damning piece of evidence um, where you could just say, you just read this because I don't even have to talk to you about this anymore. Look at this piece of evidence. I'd say the best summary piece of evidence is the World Council for Health Pharmacovigilance Report. And it was published in 2022. Mm -hmm. It's very comprehensive. It has every safety database in the world listed. And they're all reporting record numbers of injuries, disabilities, and deaths. It's so comprehensive and it's so conclusive. It's not just the U.S. system or -hmm. or the British system. It's the totality of the data. And the document concludes the vaccines must be pulled from the market. Now, if somebody wants a document to take to their school district or take to their legislatures or what Mm -hmm. have you, that is a very solid one. The American parallel to that has been published by the um, uh, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And it was in March of 2023, again, summarizing the data. It makes 10 points, 10 reasons why the vaccines are unsafe and they should be pulled off the market. Now we have, uh, if you want to follow a Twitter account, Mm -hmm. follow Mary Talley Bowden, who's summarizing every day the number of candidates, the number of lawmakers in office, and uh, uh, and those calling for removal of the vaccines from the market. That number will only grow over time, but it's not speculation. It's not just my opinion or your opinion. Mm-hmm. These are worldwide and local bodies, you know, medical societies that are saying the vaccines are not safe, pull them off the market. Thank you for that. I know you're, you're speaking around the world. Are you seeing differences in other countries? I know our propaganda load here is so heavy that it's hard to see, even notice what's going on in other countries sometimes because our, our controlled media tells us um, and doesn't tell us what's going on. Um, you're seeing, are you seeing stark differences, countries that are really leading out on this, on the truth? It's actually worse in other countries. Canada is way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a Twitter poll and I asked people, I, I said, gosh, you know, who's, who's had seven shots? I mean, nobody, I don't have any patients who've taken a set. 9% of people said, yeah, we've taken. I said, well, who, who are these people? Right. They're Canadian healthcare workers. They still are going and going and going. You know, the shots are so dangerous that it's thought to be unethical to mandate someone to take a shot because they're so dangerous. Like you could be mandated to take a shot and die. You know, in Texas, the mandates are completely banned. Jeez. You're completely banned. So so this is very important. So let's say Methodist Hospital says you have to take a shot. The ban says, no, you can't make somebody take a shot because the vaccines are so dangerous, you could kill your employees. So, Amazing. But it's worse in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's worse in Australia. It's worse in New Zealand. You know, it's, 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 it's different. Other countries have just kind of moved on. I went to India last mm-hmm. year. 
And they said, you know what, you know, a lot of the doctors said, honestly, they used, you know, and the people, they used fake vaccine cards. They just kind of slid through. They they kind of got through unvaccinated. They just moved on. India is such a crazy, chaotic place. I couldn't imagine them trying to keep track of anything, let alone force the vaccine on people. But some countries have very strict electronic databases. Mm -hmm. They would just not let somebody come to work. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, listen, if these vaccines were safe and effective and good for you, they wouldn't be banned by Texas. They wouldn't have been lawsuits all over the place. The reason why there's lawsuits all over the place is because they're not safe and they're not effective and people have been harmed. Absolutely. I was pretty baffled by the fact that they had already started um, work on these shots uh, be, even before, even before they had named COVID. They kept calling it, it was a mystery. It was a mystery. It was a mystery. Knew nothing about it. Right. So they had to lock us all down. But that at that first go round at this shot, they nailed it. Now, as a doctor, have you ever seen that before? Where you did is that when you grew skeptical of the fact that now how are you guys nailing the shot as the the shot? first go around before they'd even figured out what whatever it was we were dealing with i still think it's the flu but but what, what did when did you get skeptical the reason i said that was because i thought it was funny that doctors weren't asking that exact question like wait a second you started working on this before now you're naming it and you're telling us that this shot is brand new on the market and this is going to save us all now, you know, I don't believe in these shots and I don't want these shots, but I, but I, as a doctor, you know, as doctors out there, not Dr. Peter McCullough, but doctors out there, why were they not baffled by that? And why did they not ask more questions about that? You know, I, I, to me, I don't, I don't see the problem there. I, I think for the last two decades, doctors have been trained yeah, right. to just follow orders. <laughs> yep. They have follow orders. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That is the truth. Here's what he had to say. What, what did, When did you get skeptical? When did you start going, now, wait a second here? Well, I, you know, August of 2020, mm. I published an op-ed in The Hill. You're talking to the only public figure in the world who put in writing in a prominently read journal. This is for the House, the Senate, yeah, and the White House. This is Peter. Mm-hmm. The title of my op-ed in August of 2020, is before the vaccines came out, it was called The Great Gamble of the COVID-19 Vaccine Program. Yes, and I laid it out. This was, a, you know, the, you know, to in, to inject a, a genetic code for the first time. We've never used genetic injections. Everybody who took a Pfizer, Moderna, or Janssen and AstraZeneca took for their first time in their lives a genetic injection. It's never been done before. We had no idea what was going to happen. And then on top of that, the genetic code co- codes for a lethal protein that was engineered in a Chinese biosecurity lab. How long was the genetic code going to crank out the lethal protein? How much of the lethal protein? For how long? None of these questions were answered. And it turned out to be a disaster. We should never bring any product on the market when it has, it's such a dangerous proposition for people. Yes. COVID has uh, 98 symptoms. Is that the most symptoms you've ever seen attached to something before in your life? The, the illness itself? Yeah. Yeah. 98 yeah. symptoms. Well, well, you know, others, I mean, there's obviously Ebola and mm-hmm. dengue fever, what have you. To me, the most impressive thing about COVID, the illness, mm-hmm. was the blood clots. Mm, okay, I'm going to stop it there because we're going to run out of time today and I'll play part two tomorrow. And um, I will upload the whole interview. You can listen to it. But um, I was, I've was i always been baffled at 98 symptoms. Ebola doesn't even have 98 symptoms. No. But um, 
And so there's lots of views on on this, and I'm sure you've got your own out there too. But I was so grateful that he was answering these questions because it was refreshing to hear from him after this period of time because we did interview him right in 2021. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you it know, was good. Most deadly illnesses mm-hmm. have immediate mm-hmm. effects. Mm-hmm. Not 98. Yeah. Symptoms. Right, and cold symptoms mostly. Right. And hey, let's wait this out 10 years and turbo cancers that show up six months later and a year later and two years later. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Be faithful, be fearless. We shall see you back here tomorrow on the Friday show. Brandon Smith and, of course, part two of this interview. You won't want to miss more questions for him. Bye, you guys. KateDallyRadio.com. <laughs>